I have to admit it's, it's good to be back up here after spending the greater part of last week driving the back roads of Georgia, Mississippi, and Alabama. It's nice. It's nice to be here. But I also heard so many rave reviews of our friend Stuart Hoke's sermon last week that I have to admit it's a little more daunting than usual to be up here. I kind of feel like the act that followed Beyonce at last year's Coachella Festival. <laughs> or maybe if that doesn't speak to you, it's the act that followed Freddie Mercury and Queen at Live Aid in 1985. And if that doesn't speak to you, and I know I'm speaking to some of you, how about the act that followed Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock 50 years ago? Now, you probably know that last one's a trick question because Hendrix closed Woodstock, but that's beside the point. You get my point. It's really tough to follow a master, and we are blessed with so many masters in this small diocese, even here at St. Peter's. So please, go a little easy on me this week. And my task isn't made any easier by this week's gospel, which you just heard read by Peggy. We're in the middle of Luke, and Jesus directs harsh words at the crowd around him. He says, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Wow. I mean, I imagine husbands looking at their wives or women assessing their children in stunned silence. How are they ever going to hate those that they love so much? And what's more, Jesus tells them to hate life itself in order to become a disciple. Now the Greek word for hate that's used here is miseo, and it's used only six other times in the New Testament. And this is the only time it's used in Luke. So it's important that we focus on it. Now generally when you hear it, it appears in John's Gospel or in 1 John, and the object of hate are things like worldly things or evil itself. And that makes sense. But to hate life itself. What does it mean to hate life in order to follow Jesus? Now, we may be given a clue at the end of the reading when we're told to give up all our possessions to be Jesus' disciple. So maybe hating life itself is hating all the stuff in our lives that gets in the way of following Jesus. And all the commentaries I read about this reading do indeed point toward the passage as, as a lesson on the difficult cost of discipleship. So you'd expect you'd be right to expect a sermon on discipleship and all that we must deny ourselves to properly follow the gospel. But in a way that feels so distant from most of our lived experiences of following Jesus in 21st century America. And while some of us may claim they're being victimized by our beliefs, a more objective and perhaps less melodramatic view would suggest that we're free to worship and believe as we see fit. So to preach a high cost of discipleship sermon is not only a disconnect from our daily lives, but apart from making us all feel a little guilty, we'll probably have difficulty making a compelling mark on how we actually live. But that question kept haunting me as I worked on this sermon. What does it mean to hate our life? And some of the events in my life these past few weeks may provide a glimpse into what that means, just maybe. As many of you know, my return from vacation on Wednesday was met with some disconcerting news about my health. I was diagnosed with something called B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, with lymphoma, with cancer. Now, 
my dermatologist, this poor soul tasked with delivering the news, he was nearly as nervous as I became as he read me the results of the biopsy. He was entirely surprised by them. And as the words poured out, I found myself wanting to escape from listening. You know, change his English to nonsensical sounds, kind of like the wah-wah-wah that you might hear from Charlie Brown's teacher when, he, when she's speaking to one of Peanuts' characters in those beloved cartoons. But another voice inside me said, stay present, to listen but don't react, to let the unfamiliar words flow over me like a wave in the ocean. And with that, I felt a deep sense of calm, despite the troubling news I was hearing. And in the days since, I've gone back to that voice several times. And I'd be lying to say if there hasn't been a pit in my stomach ever since, and it occasionally drops out as I feel myself catastrophizing the future, staring at a worst-case scenario. It's cliché to say we're supposed to fight cancer. Of course we are. But how do you fight something that's lurking inside of you? How do you fight yourself? And that voice keeps telling me to be present. Not to fight, but to kind of rest into what's happening. I have a choice to try to grab tightly, to cling on to the trappings of this life, or to let life wash over me. To use the wave metaphor again, I could try to clutch the wave as it drifts over me, ending up with a wet, empty fist maybe a grain of sand or two, or I can go with the wave and let it wash over me. Maybe hating life is not clinging too tightly onto it, but letting it wash over us. And I know it's odd to use the ocean as an analogy this week when the ocean's waves became so deadly, wreaking havoc in the Bahamas and part of the Carolinas. Dorian is a reminder that the ocean can be extremely dangerous that waves can kill, just as cancer can be dangerous, just as cancer can kill. But I'd like to think that we as Christians are permanently protected in the shallower shoals of life's ocean. A few weeks ago when I preached on Jonathan Myrick Daniels, I quoted one of his final statements of faith just before his martyrdom, before his death. He said, I lost fear when I began to know in my bones and sinews that I had been truly baptized into the Lord's death and resurrection, that in the only sense that really matters, I am already dead, and my life is hid with Christ in God. My life is hid with Christ in God. It's this permanent protection, this, this life that's hid with Christ in God that I think keeps us in the safe, shallow parts that lets the waves of the Holy Spirit wash over us and comfort us. Hating life itself is not trying to cling on to this life at all costs, but relaxing to the rhythm of a life in Christ our God, one where we're baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, so we don't have to cling too tightly onto the illusions of this life. I'm optimistic my own dance with cancer will turn out fine, and things are looking good. But even if they weren't, I'd like to think that I could keep hearing that quiet voice that keeps me calm, that urges me to be present, that reminds me no matter what, I'll be fine. Easier said than done. 
but I promise to try to keep listening. In several ways, it's been a somber couple of weeks in the life of St. Peter's. Just before I left for vacation, Mark and I lost our sweet schnauzer, Chester, after a protracted battle with diabetes and its complications. And just this past Wednesday, our parish administrator, John Churchwell, had to let his beloved basset hound, Arstella, cross the Rainbow Bridge after an even longer battle with cancer. Cancer, of all things. John tells me that Stella left in great peace. I saw the same thing with Chester as he fell asleep in Mark's arms. They didn't fight. They let go. And as strange as it may seem to learn lessons from our pets, maybe, just maybe, that's what hating this life looks like. It means not clinging on to anything so tightly in this life, even life itself, so that nothing can get in the way of our relationship with God, not spouses, nor children, nor siblings, nor even our own life itself. We keep all in perspective next to having the right relationship with God, so much so that when we are ready to depart this life, we are able to rest into the calming rhythm of a life in Christ our God, to let the waves wash over us. I promise to keep everyone updated about what we learned about my cancer. Again, I'm cautiously optimistic and plan on serving you for many years to come. So many years that I might even be able to acquire some of Stuart's chops at sermon writing and, and delivery. But I hope that no matter what, I can keep listening to that voice inside that quiet whisper of the Holy Spirit and stay present and not cling too tightly to anything, even life itself. Now you may need to remind me from time to time, but I, I hope to continue to learning to hate my life in the way that Jesus says and keep walking in the costly but unparalleled job of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Won't you join me? Amen.